Welcome to Live with Greg or Live with Greg, depending on semantics. <laughs> Alright, so we're here with the first episode of season nine. I'm so honored. With Paula. <laughs> with me. And I'm not gonna try your last name because now it's we've known each other two years now? Two or three. Maybe two. two Maybe two. Three? Yeah, and I still can't pronounce your last name. Mijieski. Mijieski. That's good enough. Good enough. I'll take it. Okay. Let's say Paula. Let's say Paula. Alright. Okay. And we're going to talk about... Whatever your heart desires. Getting old. Oh, I could do that good. (laughs) I could do that really good. I could do that really good. I was thinking last night as um, the cat was lost and I'm stumbling out in the nighttime. I almost fell in a hole. And I thought, God, you know, my balance is just... is off. And just feeling just feeling old in general you know thinking about you know it's no longer middle aged used to be early middle age now it's called early older age really <laughs> yes so, like in the professional realm? No, I don't know about that, but I've heard the phrase now. You know how it used to be like when you're 40, 40 was the new 60. Now it's like 80 is the new 50. What does that mean? Like when you're 80? You feel like you're 50. So the things are getting better for older people. Right. You feel that's real? <laughs> No, I don't. It seems like when your number's up, your number's up. Well, that's true. You know, yeah. I, I I just read too many of these things about, you know, people... You know how it used to be that people would retire at certain ages and then just save for their lives for those retirement years? And then I hear how instead they have heart attacks and they wind up in the hospitals or they come down with really serious illness and it's like I'm learning that you can't just wait for that time that you get to do it every day you know it's not just we're not here forever that's true we're not that's true have you known anyone who's passed away from COVID in the last two years like personally (laughs) no not personally personally all my friends have been doing well and their families are doing well so no no one personally because that's kind of put a new wrinkle in things oh I think so yeah I see it uh, I see a lot of the COVID uh, exhaustion I see a lot of people exhausted from COVID I see a lot of behavioral uh changes in kids because I work with kids like I think kids are back a year like preschool behavior is what I'm seeing in kindergarten you know like a kid the other day five years old jumped another kid you know serious fighting and I'll I just don't I I just think kids uh, after COVID and being home for what a year 
Year and a half? Year and a half. It's It's been a long time for them to be out of socialization. And especially if they've only have been on, like, video or watching video games. I mean, then it's really hard because they're not even in the same reality as I am. And um, so I think it's been hard for kids. Did you talk with the youngster who jumped the other? Yeah, he just did it because he felt like doing it. (laughs) Really? No no impulse control. (laughs) Really? That is like, he was like, yeah, I felt like fighting. Yeah, so I did. Here's what I'm wondering. Keeping the privacy, of course, in check. But, you know, there's that famous 50s movie, Bad Egg, I think it was, where that girl just was an evil young girl. I never saw it, but I know Uh, enough bad eggs. (laughs) Well, okay, so is that, like, do you think that's real? Like, someone can be born to this world evil? Mm. No. I don't. I think we all basically come into this world pretty darn, pretty darn good. Innocent. Yeah, I think we are, and I think it's uh, it's outside forces <laughs> that change us. So, with the five-year-old child, uh-huh. five years of outside forces mm-hmm. that brought the individual to a point of like, hey, I wanted to fight. So, right, right. Like, do you do you see anything? As an academic in this realm of consciousness and well-being, right? Where you say, like, well, I could see that this is an element in this kid's life that... Well, it's it's not a, a fair question because I know elements in this kid's life already that definitely do warrant his behavior. Okay, that's what I'm... Yeah, yeah. no, he definitely has experiences to warrant this behavior. Yeah, which is kind of scary that it's so young and it comes out like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like when we start seeing it coming out that early, it's like, yeah, you, you take a look at that and you make a note of it because it's just a little, a little late uh, for that uh, not to have control of emotions like that, especially at school, you know, where there's structure going on and, you know. And do you think if this child had been able to be on campus the past year and a half, that would have helped? It might have been better. It depends on his living situation. It's... You know, he has a very, very, he has a very com- complex living situation. It's not easy mm. for anybody in the situation. You think you had an easy childhood? No. I mean, I, I think I had an easy childhood up until I was about uh, six, seven. See, my parents always worked, but my mother stayed home until I was about six or seven. I had two older brothers, but they were already, they were a lot older than me and already out the house. One was in the Navy and the other was out of school already. So in some ways, having them ahead of me, 
they kind of made it easier for me because my parents were tired. My parents were older, older parents, too. Like, my mom was 40, no, 38 when she had me, but my dad was 53. So they were kind of, do what you want. And, of course, I took that to heart. <laughs> <laughs> what did you want to do? <laughs> so I had to, but it, the bad thing was I had to, um, I couldn't run foot loose and fancy free, you know. Um, the child services would have been <laughs> would have been called. But it was for a time my middle brother had to watch over me, you know, and which really cramped him uh, and his style and even that you know, and I knew that even as a as a kid. But I saw that as an, an, a ne- negotiable point because he had a girlfriend up the street. I wasn't supposed to go out of the house at all, and I was riding my bike. My bike was like ticket to freedom. All I could ride was around the house. So I made a deal with him, and I said, well, how about if you, how about if we agree that you could go see so-and-so that you agree that I could ride the bike around the house. I said, fine. As long as you promise you don't go out of the yard, you know, like I promise. Well, off he went to see his girlfriend and off I went to ride my bike. But I was, I was always one of those, I was kind of a tomboy, tomboy at heart. You know, I was make doing tricks with my bicycle and, you know, hamming the, you know, jamming the brakes so I could make skid marks, and that's what I was doing. I was making a a donut in the backyard on the pavement, but crashed into the garage door. And I knew when I crashed, it was uh, handlebars head first, that when I came off the bike, I heard the crack. And I thought, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. And I thought, hmm. So I got up, and I thought it was my glasses. But my glasses were intact. But my arm, my right arm, <laughs> was, broken. was broken, and it didn't look good for me, you know. And of course, my it really, it really hurt. So then my brother came home. Of course, I got yelled at. And like, what did you do? What did you do? You know, I got yelled at. And what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I always came up with the plans too. I said, Well, this is the deal. <laughs> let's tell mommy that I I was doing acrobatics in the living room and I was doing, you know, like rollovers on a stool or something and I broke it that way. He said, okay, we'll do that. So my mother and father, who now both worked at, my mother and father owned a restaurant and a bar when I was young and they used to work god-awful hours from 6 a.m. to like 1 a.m. in the morning long, long days. And so when she got home, because she did the driving, uh, when I woke up the next morning and I went out into the kitchen and I'm holding my arm, I'm holding it up. What's wrong with your arm? I said, oh, nothing, nothing. What's wrong with your arm? And she looks at it and she says, what did you do? And I said, well, I just, I was making, you know, I was doing at some, you know, gymnastics in the living room. And 
that went over really big because the next thing, I went to the family doctor first, Dr. Milano, who delivered all of us. And I'm... <laughs> There and I was saying, I can move my arm. My see, I I move my arm like this. He says, you can't move your arm. You can't do this, can you? And I said, oh no. So, <laughs> I ended up in the hospital for two weeks with a busted arm, a bad break. My my arm uh, was a compound fracture, and I it's it's never been straight since, and. My mother, more than my father, was really concerned. It made more sense to me later on as I grew older that, you know, they were probably worried that child services hasn't, hadn't been called because of the way the fall was and the amount of damage that I did to my arm. But, you know, I got better. You know, I used to, I got, what happened in the hospital was like, there was a chickenpox epidemic. Some kids in the ward came down with chickenpox, so we all were quarantined. All were. Quarantined. And that's why the two weeks. That's why the two weeks. One week, uh, I had to have surgery, like on a couple of days after I was mm -hmm. in the hospital. I had to wait till the arm went down from the swelling, and then I had surgery, and then I got the chickenpox quarantine. But that went over, and then I was still there. But we, the the kids that were all together, that had been exposed to chickenpox, we still played together. And so we used to have wheelchair races. And of course, because I was right-handed, I couldn't really do that. So what I did was I just turned my wheelchair around and went backwards. And you know, we had a grand old time there. And then it came time to leave, you know, and years went by and my mother never believed me for a long time it was when I she would not believe me she didn't believe that I fell over the armoire uh, the, what do you call the it the hassock yeah <laughs> until it slipped out one day <laughs> then it was slipped out one day how does that and I happen? forget who it was whether it was me or my brother who blabbed but boy did we get punished Wow. We got punished. That was like a year after? More than a, more than a couple of years. Really? Yeah. And she went hard oh, yeah. a couple yeah. of years later. Yeah, she did. She was mean. Wow. She was mean. You know, she she would not forgive me for the longest time. And wow. so that, that's when I, you know, I, I learned quick, don't lie to mama. <laughs> Tell her the truth. But, you know, it was okay. You know, they... Uh, we got along as best we could, but my brothers were a lot older than me, so, you know, there was a lot of rumbles, um, a lot of teasing. You know, they used to love to hold me down and tease me, which I hated. Uh, I would do things like tell them what their, you know, their presents would be wrapped under the Christmas trees, and I, I would say, oh, look what... Hey, you got so-and-so, you know. I could tell by the shape of the box or whatever it was. And Why did you have to tell me? But, you know, we grew up and things went on. And But we were never really close. Really? Yeah. yeah, just certain periods of times. My, my older brother had kids, so that made us closer. And one of my brothers, my other brother, 
he had a very bad temper, so he scared me a lot. I never, I always felt uncomfortable around him, and he was, it was really interesting because he was at the height of, you know, it's like, he was like movie star handsome, movie star handsome. He had a girls fan club in the high school that once they found out I was his sister, you know, they'd become my best friends. And they'd want to know what he did, where was he, and what did he do, and da 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 da. So, was he, this the middle brother? The middle brother, yeah. And so he really, he ended up uh, marrying a woman that I loved very much. You know that she died early of cancer, and it was just he was always so black and white about things you know no no gray area same with both my brothers you know very black and white this way or that or no way at all and i always saw the the variations of this that and it or whatever you know and it it's kind of hard when you have to make a decision but because <laughs> you're always questioning you know is this right is this wrong what should i do what should i do but that was a long time ago, you know, and I came out here, changed my life out here, uh, decided that when I was 57 years of age and had worked for a long, long time at my job, uh, I was going to leave my job and do something else and I knew I didn't want to do office work fortunately I had a degree already so I didn't have to go and go back to college when I was in my late 50s so I chose to go to grad school and I went to grad school when I was 59 and I graduated when I was 63 wow. and um, the counseling the counseling pro I got into counseling and psychology which was which was kind of I think pretty much what I needed to do, you know, because I had enough experience with different types of disorders already, you know, with uh, having dysfunctional parents and brothers who had anger management and that, you know, those kinds of things, it made me, you know, question who was I, you know, and how, how did all this affect me? And I, I just had this thing that, you know, I never, you know, I felt sad a lot of my life. You know, I felt depressed a lot of my life and I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I wanted people to feel better about themselves. So I went to counseling and psychology and uh, got a degree there. And that's pretty much how I function. I want my clients to feel good about being here, you know, and not to, and to understand that it's not always good, that it's, you know, sometimes it is good, sometimes it's not. But, but never to really find yourself in such a a dark place that you feel worthless or you feel like you have no rights to uh, to living that you know why bother living there's nothing to it there's nothing for me there's always something for you 
you know, you just, I mean, I was lucky that I went to counseling. I wanted to go to counseling and for myself when I was a teenager, but I grew up during the times that, and I grew up in a European, European family, and my father was from Poland. That kind of thing was never talked about, and it was always like a shame, you know, because it was a reflection on the family that there, you know, there was something wrong with you. But I knew when I was a teenager, I knew something was wrong with me because I used to be so sad all the time. And then finally, when I got out here to California in my late 20s, early 30s, I decided it was time, so I uh, went shopping around for therapist, which is a which an interesting. And I had had the experience of having one therapist and working well with her, but then she left, and because she was having a baby, and I she didn't really give me enough time to kind of grasp what that was what was happening because it's it felt like I was being abandoned. It was like, oh God, what am I gonna do? And so I had to go and shop for another therapist and and I knew I wanted to work with a male therapist. And so I got recommendations from my primary care doctor and went to one of those uh, doctors those that just sat there and in the background just taking notes while you just randomly said whatever you wanted to. And I'm thinking, this isn't going to cut it for me. I need somebody to have some dialogue with. And I finally went to another doctor and he was very engaging and just what I was looking for and very challenging. Um, it was very hard because, you know, I had to look at things you know, we grow up for a long time believing our parents can do us no harm. I mean, that's like when you're a little kid, you don't, you just think your parents are the greatest. And so I had to come to terms with, you know, your parents weren't the greatest, Paul. They did a good job with what they could do for you. But, you know, they did some things that harmed you, that did some mental, uh, that you need to do some mental cleanup on, mm. some work on. So here I am now being a therapist, and I work a lot with kids, but I'm starting to get a lot more adults in in my practice, which is good. Kids are kids are good, but you really spend a lot of time with kids. You know, they're just they're so innocent. They'll say anything they want. But you have to get them to trust you, too. Uh, some kids are very forthcoming. You know, they're probably very forthcoming at home. And so it's natural. But sometimes they'll come and they'll sit like nothing, you know. And so I have to work hard to get them to trust me and that this is a safe place. You could tell me what's going on. And I use a lot of play therapy. And you could see a lot of what goes on in their heads using stuffed animals, playing games with them. You know, you see how how they share. You know, which you know if he's choose what what toys they choose versus you know other toys. You know, things that are just kind of relevant. 
but they come with a lot of uh, school behaviors that need to be ten- attended to. And a lot of it <clears throat> seems like in the last few years, a lot of it has been anxiety. Anxiety is like just increased in children. Uh, for the older grades, it's mostly on academics, you know, like working hard, uh, getting good grades. And they're only in fourth and fifth grade. You know, their book packs are like heavy. I can't even pick them up. And the younger ones are just learning to read cues, social cues, you know, like just how to act, you know, like appropriately. Was the young man in the fight, was he cognizant enough to know, like to say to you clearly, I just wanted to fight? That's what he told me. Really? Yeah. And that's the, and from your experience, that was an honest answer? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he just wanted to fight. He probably woke up that morning just wanting to fight. I mean, don't you wake up sometimes <laughs> wanting to fight too? I guess, but I, it comes out differently. Like yeah. I put on right. hard music and yeah. feel rebellious. Right, or you go to gym class and you pound it out, or you yeah. play loud music, as you say, or you go for a run, you exercise. Yell at people in my car. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> all those imaginary people. <laughs> Just well, yelling out the They're right in front of me. They cut me yeah. off. They drive slow. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't try. I don't. You know, my husband gets really pissed off it when he's driving because he thinks drivers are so bad out here. <laughs> you know, they like if they they don't use their turn signals. They don't do this. They don't do that. And it's like na 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 na. It's like. You know they're going to do that. You know, I see, you see that all the time. Why don't you just relax? You know, your blood pressure is going to go up. You know, just <laughs> sit down and just enjoy. You know, but it never fails. It's blue that guy. You know, it's. But. So, do you think your quality of life has gotten better in the past twenty years? Like, oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And what do you base that on? I base that on. One, changing my environment, moving from a small town on the East Coast to coming to San Francisco, which wasn't as strange as it may sound, you know, because I had friends living here. So it wasn't like I was coming cold. Uh, So I had friends that I moved in with, stayed with, and then got my own apartment. And it was, you know, San Francisco... I just loved it from the day that I came mm. came here the first time. I just was smitten with it, and I wanted to move here. And I had a decent job that paid more money, and I had more of a social life here than I did back east. Back east where I grew up, it was really, you know... A lot of the my classmates from high school, they were married by the time I was. They were twenty one. I was twenty one. They were all settled and and having kids, and I still was alone. And you know, it's 
and I just felt like there is not much there for me to nurture myself. You know, I wanted to I wanted to go and do things, see different places, be with other pe- people. You know, just ex- just explore. And it's funny because I was the only daughter, and my brothers did the same thing. They married both at 21, and one had kids right off. The other didn't have children, but but it was like the the daughter that had to go and wanted to go explore. Yeah, and it was hard because my parents were elderly, and so I was leaving at a time that was not ideal, but no time would have been ideal. And my mother got it. I mean, she understood, but my father by then had developed dementia, so it was kind of difficult for him to understand and it broke my heart, but I felt like if I wasn't going to make this change, I never would, and I don't think I would have had a very nice life back there, not like here. And it wasn't like life was all hunky-dory perfect out here. You know, it was when I decided to see a therapist and there was a lot of uh, hard work in therapy, I liked my job, but I knew that I could do better. You know, I wasn't feeling challenged. But having to weigh, like, a job that was very secure and paid well and just give it up and go back to school and counter student debt, it was like, did I really want to do this, you know? But I did. I had to. I just felt like I had to. Um... Plus, the, 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 the winning thing for me was I was getting migraines from my job. I used to have to go to the city every week. You know, I, was, I would be in the city. I'd leave my town at 6.30 in the morning to be on the bus and then dr- drive on the bus all the way to San Francisco and be at the office. I'd be there by 10 after 8, 8 o'clock sometimes. So my day would start, like, pretty early. And... This will probably sound strange to some people, but the more the office became, you know, the more it became technically oriented, where so much was being done by technology, meaning that, you know, uh, a lot of the things like phone work, they had answering machines, you know, uh, my my job just turned out to just be a straight typing, straight word processing job, and that's. I liked people. I liked my 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 skills. Wasn't in you know how fast I could type or get something out the door. It was more in my management of how I conducted people, how I could read my boss and figure out like well would, would this be a good client for him or not you know would this be a good client for the firm you know I had just skills like that that just weren't were being cast aside and I wasn't I wasn't doing anything for myself other than being miserable so I started getting migraines like two three times a week mm-hmm. and I went to a doctor I went to an acupuncturist and he, I told him a little bit about myself. He says, 
He said, I talked to him about work. Well, there's there's your migraine stressor, Paula. You're doing, you're not doing what you want to do. Uh, you're not spending any time on taking care of yourself. And so these, you're just stressed out all the time. And when I got migraines, my migraines were, they didn't just come and go. They would last two, three days. And all I could do was lay down on a, on my bed and just in a dark room. I mean, even when I had them, when I was married, you know, my husband would say, can I get you anything? No, the best thing you can do is just leave me alone here. I just, I just like when want peace and quiet. Just don't bother me. And sure enough, you know, it was funny. I think when I started school, I maybe had one migraine and I felt so, so bad about it because I had a paper due and I was sick as a dog with it, you know, and but I decided I had to get my paper in on time. And I drove to the school, and I saw the professor there, and he said, what are you doing here? I said, I had to get this to you. No, you didn't have to do that. But it was like an old dog that couldn't learn new tricks. You know, it was just like that, that kind of time element had to be on time, or they weren't going to believe me that I was sick with headaches, say, or, you know, I was just faking it. But, but once I... I did away with that job, my um, my migraines. I got a hold of my my migraines. It was it was amazing because I was so sick from them. But once I removed myself, got myself into the position of doing something that I wanted to do for myself and liking it, you know, it just my quality of life just improved. And then, of course, I got married, and we were able to get a house. So, yeah, out here has been significantly better for me. When's the last time you had a migraine? Well, <laughs> I <laughs> you would ask that. <laughs> well, it's... You know, I had, well, I, uh, just about maybe, see, I had a, <laughs> see, I was doing a, a, a part-time job at a, a, as a school counselor at one of the school districts here, and, and it was only for two days a week, but it was, it was solid work, back-to-back client, and driving to school, from school, to school, and doing, doing, you know, just and pre- having to prepare, prepare reports and just a lot of stuff. A lot, you know, it's not a matter of just sitting in the chair and listening. You know, you you do a lot of. I do anyway. I think I'm I'm not at that point yet where my clients stay at the office when I leave. I'm thinking about them all the time. You know, I don't, I'm not in touch with them unless they call me and they want something. But, you know, I'm thinking of them like, I wonder, well, this, today he was going for a new job. I wonder how that went. So the, I started to get migraines because I felt the pressure. And I was also building my practice, my private practice, on top of working this other job. 
And then I took a third job. And it was just too much, too much. And I started to get migraines again. So I had to give up my first job with the school district because it just, it just wasn't making me feel good anymore about it. I was dreading going. I was losing interest. It wasn't... Um, I had one specific duty to do as a therapist, as a school therapist, and it was not enough for me. I like the challenge of different people, different problems, uh, learning new things, and I found I was restrained by, you know, having this particular job in the school district. So somebody else, you know, I just felt somebody somebody could do it better. Somebody could be better than me. You know, somebody who didn't mind that repetition, but I don't do well with, I mean, I like security and everything, but I need to, I, I mean, I spend a lot of time alone too, but I need to be doing something, you know, or th I'm always doing something, reading, thinking, listening to music or something, you know, walking. It sounds like in the original job before you went back to school mm -hmm. and then just recently mm -hmm. there was a repetition that created a mediocrity in your life. Oh yeah, yes. So how do you define security that differentiates from mediocrity? Well one is I wake up in the morning and my heart is more joyous than dread, you know, like I'm looking forward to the day. Thinking about new things to try with different clients or with this other school that I'm working at, they're much smaller so it's a little easier um, for me because it's very small in comparison to the, the school I was at before. Right. So is it possible the school you are at before, you said there was an element of inundation. Mm -hmm. just con so you didn't have the personal, the Not time so for like no. personal reflection no, on I was always, you know, I was always in an office secluded someplace and going to get my kids, bringing them back. And so you're not even able to give them the kind of personal care you want to give them? Well, I could, but I didn't have... I didn't have many outlets for me. I mean, everybody was too busy. I mean, there were other other counselors there, but everybody had such a, a, a load of kids to see or busy with something that, you know, I just didn't have the stimulation that I needed. I And I, for a time, I belonged to a consultation group, which was great because we would just feed off one another. But even that went, uh, with COVID, that had to stop. And most of us were Zooming therapists during COVID, and we really, unless something was really of really important and significant, we didn't want to be bothering Zooming at night. And you Zoom all day, you're tired. You're tired of it. <laughs> you get tired fast. Yeah. 
you know, and especially, you know, with kids because they want to play games and if they have use of the controls, you're off. And just to keep them involved, I mean, I had to learn, you know, how to play Minecraft and stuff like that. You could be be inventive, but I'm a more visual person. Um, And also I read body language a lot, too. And that's important for therapy. You know, you read a lot of body language and see how kids are sitting, how adults are sitting, or that kind of thing. Do you find yourself in social engagements, like doing your therapy? Like, all right. No. No? No, I don't. You really are able to let it go. Yeah, within my social system, yeah. And I actually don't encourage it. (laughs) I don't, because what, what will happen is you let it in. People find out you're a therapist, and it's like, oh, God. You know, then the next thing is, you know, I wanted to ask your advice, and I don't want to be therapist to my friends. Right. You know, I could give them some, yeah, I could give them some advice, but I can't act as a therapist. It's not good for the friendship. It just doesn't, don't even go there. Don't even think about it. <laughs> you need to leave that guy. <laughs> what the? <laughs> Get out very fast. Run. The guy calls you. What are you telling her to get out? <laughs> Thought we were friends. Yeah, we're friends, all right. Yeah. So long, Joe. Yeah. Um, no, so definitely has my quality of life has picked up. And it may, you know, sometimes I, I sometimes wonder why did it take me so long? But. Don't you think it's an evolutionary process and you can only build upon what you have, right? Yes, that's true. You know, and there was... I mean, I didn't get encouragement. Yes, my family wanted me to go to college. I was going to be the only one that went to college. It seemed that it was almost like a uh, a sign of success back in when I grew up if somebody in the family went to college and I was the one that was doing that and you know there was but what was I going to do with it I went to and I got a liberal arts degree what was I going to do with a liberal arts degree well you could do what I did you wash dishes and become a waiter well yeah (laughs) that's I worked in enough offices you know sold magazines a whole bit you know I did enough of that and but then what happened was when I came out here I mean the, the pay the pay in comparison to Connecticut was like night and day. I mean, I was a legal secretary, and you know, you you have to have some brains to be a legal secretary because you're heavily re- relied on to keep dates and and to keep clients happy. And I could do that just fine. And I had good bosses, you know, that I learned a lot from. But um, if I didn't choose to go to school, what was I, and and leave the office, what was I going to do? Go to another office and work? That didn't make any sense to me. You know, I'd lose all my seniority. Uh, I had good bosses. I didn't want to go work for some awful boss. So it wasn't those things that that did it was really my feeling of like I needed to change my life I knew that in order to do so 
I had to go to school and did it. I remember one of the questions that when I was interviewed for going to um, the graduate program of counseling psychology, one of the uh, persons interviewing me, you know, knew how old I was. Why now, Paula? And I thought, why, why not now? You know, it was, I mean, it's better to have done it than to not have done it. I mean, I would feel, see, that was a big impetus for me, was, that was one of the things that really made me want to move and, and do something, because I knew I couldn't do it back then, because I was probably going to wind up being a, more of a caretaker for my parents and concentrating less on me and more on the care of them, which I would have done lovingly, but there was a strong part of me that, what about me? And so, yeah, no, I, I think the changes, and they were hard, that they were good ones. I can say I, I'm happy with my life. I'm satisfied with what I do. Um, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot more to learn. Um, I like having private practice. I also like being my own um, custodian of time. <laughs> it's nice. Um, Especially when you get older, you know, it's nice to have some say in what you're going to do with your days instead of, well, God, I gotta get up. <laughs> I got, I got, it's time to get up. I gotta get up now or else yeah. I'm going to be late. And the next thing you know, you're back to that schedule. And I started feeling really robotic about it, you know, like just going in, coming home. Because, you know, if you work, if you work where we live, and going into the city, you're leaving sometimes in the nighttime and coming home in the nighttime, you know, when the uh, time clock changes. Right, right. So it was like days that you just don't come up for air. So it was like you'd be tired, go to sleep, get up, and start all over again. So I don't know how people, I feel sorry for people in the Bay Area that um, have to commute. They have to commute big time to buy a house or to keep a job to make money because they're facing like some people drive a couple of hours yeah and for hourly work yes too. you know yeah. and it's like I couldn't do that you're stuck in traffic all that time I mean you could take BART or you could take the Caltrans and you could take the buses but you know they break down things happen you know it's it's a lot easier to be able to make up your own day you know know what know what you have know what you can schedule you were married before you started back to college right yes has your experience as a counselor and learning changed your marriage relationship for the better for the better because I had an outside life you know I had more to bring to the marriage you know I I may have um, 
I used to wonder sometimes about my husband didn't go to college. He's a, he's in the trades and he's a smart smart guy. And I have nothing against people who don't go to college because not everybody needs to go to college. You don't need it to be smart. You, you know, I've met enough stupid people that have lots <laughs> of yeah that you know it's like give me a break will you so um what i was concerned i was concerned about how he felt with me going to college like would he feel like threatened threatened by it you know and but we had you know we discussed it and he said no and he's not really somebody that does feel threatened by it but he was very supportive and uh very proud when I graduated and no so it was it was it was all good it's been all good do you find yourself reflecting from a space of like the autumn of your years thinking well you know we're coming to a close here sure yeah, yeah. as each year passes yeah you can't you can't I don't think I think it's it's normal. I think it's like when you see a schoolmate and you see that they died. You know, it's like ah, she was in my high school. You know, she's a year older than me. You know, I remember she didn't like me, but you know, beside that, she's <laughs> hey, God bless her. Good riddance. But. <laughs> you know, it was like, oh gosh, now we're getting into the dates that, you know. Yeah, my turn is coming. You know, I'm not going to live, live here for another... Oh, I could. I could live for another 35 years. But still, but I, what I don't want is, and which scares me, is, is I don't want to be like an invalid in my old age or my mind to go. And I've seen that. Uh, and that is a horrible life. And I don't care how surrounded you are by loved ones. It's very hard for them, too, because they don't understand where have you gone. Where are you? You're, you're still in there. I mean, the person is still in there, but it's not. he's no longer available to as you know them. And that's very hard to deal with. When you say you're scared, like, really? Like, do you have bouts of real psychological trepidation? I, I think I just feel like, I hope I, I get enough in. I hope I do enough. So what else do you want to do? Well, I could become more specialized in psychology, you know, like work in, in certain things. I mean, there's a lot of different theories of psychology that I could become more adept at. Um, You don't I'd like have to, anything specific right no, now. No, maybe more mind and body stuff. The connection of mind and body. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because I I see it more and more with people that come to see me that they complain about. You know, they have these aches and pains, and now I have a new saying like the issues are in the tissues. You know, and that's we. I know that's where all your stress goes, and unless you start, you know, kind of acknowledging that 
that it sits you sits someplace in your body, whether it's your neck, and for me it's in my neck. Some people it's in their gut. Some people it's their legs. It used to be in my head, you know, migraines. Right, right. Maybe something like that. Or Do you have a physical practice that you do? I do. Um, it depends on the person. You know, some people are... No, like for yourself. For myself. Yeah, I do. I do some meditation. I do some stretching and stuff. But I have to say that I was really lazy during COVID. (laughs) (laughs) I have to admit that. I was really lazy. And I keep thinking I've got to get back to it. But, and I will. (laughs) One of these days. Before before my legs give out or something. I was talking with a gentleman at Pierre yesterday. And he Uh was talking about how um, we're not good at... Uh, agreements with ourselves. We're really good at agreements with others. others. And as an example, like if I have a, an agreement with him to meet him at a certain time, uh-huh. I'll be there. Right. But if I say, well, I'm going to go for a walk tomorrow, and tomorrow comes, and I'm like, ah. That is so true. You know, I'll be there on time with time to spare. Sometimes I even have to kind of go around the blocks a couple of times, so I'm, I'm too early. But when it comes time to apply it to myself, like, let's go 9.30 tomorrow. Let's just get up and go. Right. It's like, oh, God, the bed feels so comfortable and nice and warm. See, so it's almost like from a psychological perspective, we need to make ourselves as important as we've made others. Definitely. Definitely. And I think it's, I think it's, I think it's hard for us. I think it's hard for many of us. Because I think there's so many of us that um, that didn't get that kind of uh, growth or nourishment when they were kids, and it stays with them for however long it may stay with them. And and you know, and it doesn't take much. Um, I find that here I go on. Now I'm going to go on to another kind of thing that bothers me is etiquette. I think etiquette is gone in these days. Um, People really catch your eye when you walk by them, or if you say hello, they might walk by you. Now, that could be COVID. You know, they don't want you to breathe on them or something. (laughs) But Just keep your six feet. That's right. Or people are very aggressive driving, you know. You know, like, if they can beat you to the stop sign, they're going to, you know. See, now I, for myself, wonder if that's more of my own perspective. Like like you're telling your husband, if I'm in a state of just relax, mm-hmm. chill out, then it, people aren't aggressive. They're just driving. But yeah, if but I'm in a state of heightened, like, got to get there, or just... That rubs off on me. Well... You know, it just kind of, it's like... Now, now I'm nervous, you know. But see, that's part of what I've been reflecting on lately is fully responsible for our inner life. Mm. So, yeah, why, why go and take that on? Right. Yeah. You know, and if I'm, I am taking it on, what's really happening is it's in me. Right. So there's an opportunity to. Right. It's it's it. really practicing mindfulness. Right. You know watching yourself right. you know being present right now 
not this afternoon, not really this morning, or not what you're going to do over the weekend, but right now. And, you know, it's really moment to moment to moment. Because if you go too far, you're going to be what's coming next, you know, like, so it's really just on the present moment. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of hard for me, too. I think it's hard for everybody. Um, We're just, we're just a get up and go kind of, we live that kind of culture. I mean, people just zip in their cars and go, you know, and everybody's got to be on the go. Kids have play dates back to back to back to back. It's like, I couldn't do that. I, you know, I, 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 you know, I, even as a kid, I wouldn't want to be dragged to a play date after play date after play date. You know, I would want some time to myself. Because you need time to yourself. Yeah. 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 Well, is there anything else that? Not today. <laughs> <laughs>